0: Connecting to the Real Nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Denver Comic-Con 2016. We have a fantastic interview lined up for you. Enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2016. I am Ryan, and we are with...
1: Monuente remain, Icheb from Star Trek Voyager, and Billy from One Tree Hill. And there's so many One Tree Hill fans here. It's, a, it's incredible. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, no.
0: Oh, I thought you were being serious. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the One Tree Hill uh, fans are not the, not the not the convention crossover fans for the most part. <laughs> Although I have been recognized for being on One Tree Hill a couple times at a convention. But it's one of those rarities, yeah, like a like a wooden nickel.
0: <laughs> right on, so, Arnie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what brought you to Denver, what got you into acting?
1: Uh, what got me into acting was Peter Pan. When I was four years old, I started to see uh, grown women and men fly around the stage on wires, and I was I was immediate, immediately in love with it. I had hippie parents who moved around all the time. We lived in communes and campgrounds and, uh, you know, the love dens and whatever, uh, rainbow gatherings. Uh, and I just would con- constantly, constantly tell my parents that I wanted to be an actor. And so I would do community theater every- everywhere and beg them to move to Los Angeles. They never did, but then when I was 17 and finished high school, I decided to move out, go to school in L.A., and give it a, give it a go. And within three years, I, I got the part on Star Trek. I'd done a few things before that, but that was the part that really broke me open.
0: And so take me through that process because that's a big jump moving to L.A., and I think that's a hurdle that a lot of aspiring actors have to clear. Uh, was that, a, obviously you said it wasn't difficult for you because it's always something you wanted to do, but was, a, was getting there and finding work hard? Or... Oh, it was very difficult,
1: yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an, the life of an actor in general is a, a struggle. Uh, even even a working actor um, is—you never know when your next job's going to be. You, you never know if you're going to make uh, two hundred thousand that year or two thousand that year. You know, uh, you never know when you're going to get a dry spell. Mm. But when I moved out to L.A., it was easy too. I, I mean, the kids that are moving out there these days, I feel so bad for, because when I moved out to Los Angeles, it was—I uh, moved out in '96 and there was money everywhere. There was money in TV, there was money in commercials, there was money in films. If you got a lead in a film for a studio, you were looking at, even a supporting lead, you were looking at like 50, 60 grand. Today, you're looking at five, six grand. Mm. Uh, They've decided, it's a long story, but actors were making so much money that the studio heads got together and decided that they weren't going to allow this to happen anymore and so even like your your a-list there's about 20 guys making 20 million dollars a movie mm-hmm. and the rest of your a-list movie stars are making 1.5 million but then you take out 30 percent in taxes 15 percent to your manager 10 percent to your agent 10 percent to your publicist and you're looking at a couple hundred grand you know yeah. uh, three four hundred grand which is great money but not the kind of money that the whole public thinks that actors are making, you know.
0: Yeah, it's so. Do you prefer acting on television, or do you prefer stage more? Uh, film. Film. Yeah, I'm. What what makes film uh, special?
1: To me, it's the one medium of uh, of. It's the television is there. Television has gotten a lot better, I'll say that for the last in the last 10 years with Amazon and Netflix and cable television. The quality of television has become film quality, especially in the cable and Amazon, Netflix and that world. But television for the most part, especially on network television, it's made to sell products. It's made to sell Toyota trucks and Budweiser and join the Navy, and, uh, you know, it's made really to sell propaganda. It's to, uh, to sell us Doritos and Cheetos. And, and so working in, in television on the net- on network, often you're told to really rush through your lines and just get, get the acting over with so we can get to commercial. We just want to get through this, get the scene done, and get to commercial so we can sell the money. And, uh, and film isn't about that film's about telling a story film's about humanity about exp- you know our experience
0: and is that why uh, I guess I would answer the question why bigger actors are to now jumping into Netflix and things like that because it's more freeing now than it's ever been because you don't have to worry about making networks happy it's making yeah. a good product
1: yeah and so you've, you've got these incredible shows that like HBO is putting out and Netflix is putting out that the subject matter is now so much more than than network television has ever been and that's forcing network television to try to keep up and so tv is getting a, a whole lot better than it used to be i used to be a just a film guy i just i used to be just a movie guy but now i'm starting to watch shows because they're becoming film quality
0: absolutely so let's go back so you was star trek voyager because to me that would be intimidating to go into an audition for that. Um, yeah. How do you get? How do you put forth a good audition when you know you're going onto a show that's so popular?
1: I was young. Uh, <laughs> I was 21, and I thought I was really, really good at what I did. <laughs> so confidence, know, confidence is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and, and confidence sells in in Hollywood. If you don't, if you don't think, if if you're good at just faking confidence, that's how you get the part people what what people like in a room is when an actor comes in they look prepared they've studied the material and they just go they just come out there with you know they they man up and they go hard and when an actor is so confident that they'll even I've gotten jobs before where I've walked into to the audition and I've said look I read the script I'm not right for this character I'm I'm not the right actor for you for this role but this other character in the script, I am the right actor for. I'd love to read for that. And so the director would be like, Wow, this guy has this guy actually given some thought to this. He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's prepared. He's confident. He's professional. And so he, he let me read for the other part, which I read really well for. But originally, he wanted me for the lead part. So he called my agent, and he, casted me, he cast me as the lead. The part that I told him I was wrong for, you know? Yeah. So just that confidence of being able to, to, to be real, to be honest, to be professional made him go, no. He, he, and he saw that I was really good at the other part. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, in his brain, he thought, okay, I can make him good in this role he thinks he's not going to be good in. And, and so it's, it's about just completely being real and confident.
0: Is it hard stepping onto a show that's established like Voyager and going right in? Or do the, do the cast make it easy for you because they've done it for so long?
1: About 70% of the time when you come on as a guest star or as a new character in a show, mm-hmm. you're the enemy. The whole cast, you could be the new guy that steals their moments, that uh-huh. takes away their episodes. But Voyager wasn't like that which was the neatest experience. When I came onto Voyager, first of all, if you think about it, Voyager was filled with uh, working actors and, and known actors that had been in a lot of stuff, that had a lot of uh, stuff under their belt. Mm-hmm. But Bob Picardo and Ethan Phillips and Robert Beltran and guys that had been around for a while, Kate Mulgrew. And so they were all really humble, talented professionals, and they saw a 21-year-old kid that was a little unconfident but talented and they wanted me to to be a part of the show and I felt immediately from all those guys I felt they wanted to rehearse with me off camera and that hard that rarely happens uh, on television usually if you get a job as the new guy you 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 rehearse while they do blocking while they do the lighting rehearsal Mm -hmm. you go back to your trailer and you just better have it when you shoot but Bob and Ethan and some of those guys would pull me aside and say, "Hey, you want to run lines a little bit?" Well, we have a chance. They didn't have to do that,
0: but, but in a way that makes their show better, though. Because yeah. Because if they embrace you, then it makes their job easier, and it. Well, I think it elevates the whole product.
1: Yeah, and they, I stole so much great acting technique <laughs> from those guys, and they were cool enough to give it to me. You know. So,
0: so what roles do you prefer then? Because. It, Star Trek Voyager and One Tree Hill are complete opposites. Oh yeah. Of television, um, is there a certain role that you prefer over others?
1: I my my old answer to this question was I love playing the bad guy, but the real answer, if you think about it more, is is the role that's that's the best written, because sometimes bad guys are really cliche mm-hmm. and they're written really poorly, and if you get one of those roles, then you're like, uh, I really like this actor. I can't think of his name right now, but he played the bad guy in the first Daredevil movie. You know who I'm yeah. talking about? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Now that, to me, that character, that role was like really cliche. And and it's not Colin Farrell's fault, but he was stuck with this dialogue that was kind of mm-hmm. not really well written. So for me, it, it's not really about what what roles do I like. Whether it's a villain, whether it's a, a, a hero, it's about how, how well written is the role. Not how big or how small, but how well written is it.
0: And going back to your previous point, though, is, there, is it hard because uh, acting is so tough that you get offered a job and you know the role isn't as good as you want it to be, but you take it because you want the job? Yeah. Is, is, how do you uh, rectify that and hope it doesn't uh, come across poorly?
1: That's the tightrope that you constantly walk as an actor. Am I selling out? You know, I've done a few commercials for Burger King and mm-hmm. for for stuff that I wasn't proud of, but I needed the money to pay the rent. And I think every every actor goes through that. Oh yeah. Uh, I did a World War II film once that I had a real struggle over because I watched it afterwards, and it was really violent and also a lot of the, a lot of the plot was about. Drinking and about this whole crew of Irish American guys that were uh, in a B-17, um, and they wanted their new—I was the new guy on the on the ship, on the on the crew—and they wanted me to drink, and I didn't drink, and it was a, it, about loosening me up and teaching me to drink so I could be one of the boys to go out and bomb bomb mm, Germany every day. So I, for a while, I had a little bit of a. A fight with myself about do I want to represent that? But then in the end, I thought about it and I went, well, you know what? It's World War II. Those boys were doing what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, if I was going to go bomb Germany every morning, I'd get drunk every night too. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so you know. But yeah, you always have those those thoughts. So what I've done after you know fifteen, god, nineteen years in the business is, I think. I look at the script, if it's a good script, then I ask the director if they have all the talented key positions filled, I say who's your DP, who's your sound designer, who's doing your makeup, who's doing your hair, who's, who's doing your costume design, and I make sure that they not only have a good script, but they have a quality team, and I research all, all of them, and so then, then, I, then I take the job.
0: So here's a question I always like to ask actors. Yeah. So when you watch yourself on film, do you remember every take you've done and then you see a take that maybe the director and editor chose that you don't agree with and how do you uh do you just roll with it or how, how do you uh combat that? I, I th- usually the good takes, I don't remember really. Because
1: I'm in the scene. Okay. And for for me, acting is about really living out that scene. And if you've done your job, you've 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 gone there. You've lived it. Um, I had a scene recently for a Roddenberry short film called Instant that you can see on Roddenberry Entertainment pretty soon, the the, the website. And I had my my father dying in my arms, and that's a heavy thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to, and I've never had my father die in my arms. No. So I had to go there, and I don't remember it at all. But watching it i 'm really good nice right but so the the takes that that I am aware of myself way too much or or, or i 'm aware of what my voice sounds like or i 'm aware of what the other person is i 'm not in sure. the scene when those takes get get chosen by the director, I can see oh my god you 're not in the scene you 're thinking about <laughs> what you sound like you 're thinking about where the camera is. And I always wonder if other people can see that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's times where sometimes I'll do a show and I'll be really, really happy with all my choices and I'm really proud of the work. And other times I'll do a show where I think I'm just terrible and I made all the wrong choices and, and the director used some takes that I think were really bad takes. But it's not up to me, yeah. you know, what they use. So you just, your job as an actor is to do the best you can on every take and hope that they pick the right one there's a there's a certain level of trust for everybody mm. in film because you've got to me I think film is like the great art you've got poetry you've got set design you've got you've got music you've got archeology I mean uh, building uh, you know uh carpentry yeah carpentry (laughs) carpentry it's not the word i'm looking for yeah i don't know you know architecture architecture there we go we got it architecture (laughs) so set design you've got makeup design you've got there's not an art that you could name that isn't in film Mm -hmm. so you've got all these great artists that come together and could you could you imagine like taking picasso and all the great painters and giving giving them one canvas and saying hey guys go make a great painting right yeah that's so that's what you're trying to accomplish in I never film thought of that way that's a great you analogy know? yeah that and so it's it's you never know if if, if a film's going to turn out good or bad and when it turns out good that's the minority right the great the good ones are mm-hmm. are hard to find so to get to be a part of even one great film in your lifetime to me is that's a treasure you know
0: what work are you most proud of
1: I think at this point, uh, still Star Trek Voyager. Uh, I've started to produce. Mm -hmm. I made a film called Fifth Passenger last year that's going to be out uh, early next year. I'm really proud of the work I did on that uh, because I was involved in the writing process and getting the the screenplay rewritten and and producing and getting everything in the film done. I'm producing a new film called The Circuit that I'm really proud of. We've got some great screenplays, and we're involving... It's actually all about the convention scene. It's ten directors, uh, ten genres. We're going to do ten genres, ten directors, ten stories. And every story takes place sometime in the past, the present, or the future of a pop culture convention. So you've got, like, Galaxy Quest meets The Twilight Zone meets Fanboys meets, like, Steven Spielberg's amazing stories. Nice. So every every single episode is a different genre so it can take place on the way to a convention it can take place on the way home from a convention you could go to your your hotel room and find a secret dimensional portal that takes you somewhere else in, uh, in the planet you know uh, so we're we're very open to the writing being completely Twilight Zone-esque very cool um, and we've got a bunch of great actors uh, and you can check it out at www.thecircuitfilm.com right now I'm the most proud of the work I'm doing on that film but the work I did on Voyager was was you know it was great writing. it's a an epic franchise It's 50 years old, yeah. o- older than 50 years old now. Uh, the writing was great, the character was great, and I, I gave everything I had to that to that character. so uh, I still am the most proud of that work.
0: You know why you're a great interviewer huh? interviewee is because I was going to segue into the circuit and you did it for me. <laughs> it just relieved so much pressure on me. <laughs> great. <laughs> So, is it? Uh, Can people go uh, fund the circuit? Is that where it's at right now? Yeah,
1: we've got um, we've got all these great actors from we've got actors from Game of Thrones, we've got actors from Teen Wolf, we've got actors from Babylon Five, Far Space, uh, Farscape, Twilight Zone, Arrow. So we've got these great actors from the superhero genres, the horror genres, fantasy genres, sci-fi genres, and it's basically a film that celebrates all of the genres we love and the places that we go to celebrate them. Uh, And we're going to launch on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. We haven't decided yet, but probably sometime in late... uh, Actually, early September, late August. Uh, And we have a website, like I told told you, www.thecircuitfilm.com. You can also see our social media pages. We're at The Circuit Movie at basically every relevant social media you can come up with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter all that stuff at The Circuit Movie and you can contact me through the website the whole idea with this film is to make the most collaborative professional we've got great people working on this film the CGI guys have worked on Iron Man they did the Planes franchise they did Red Tails they did they worked on like lots of amazing films we've got great directors solid directors that have done uh, James Bird did Honeyglue. one of our directors did a film called Terminus, Diablo, these fantastic movies. But we want to also involve, I think, half of the stories, if we're going to tell the 50-year history of the convention scene and tell it in a weird genre way, we also have to use stories from the fans. So we've opened up uh, screenplay writing, so we've opened up, the, if you go to the website, you can submit your screenplay. And if your screenplay gets chosen, you get to come onto the film, get writing credit, see your episode get made. And the other thing that's cool about the circuit is if you you support it when we run the crowdfunding campaign, you can also send in your resume. So if you're into making film, if you're into doing sound, if you're into making props, if you're into doing makeup, if you're into learning about any part of filmmaking, you just send in your name, why you want to be on the movie, why you want to come and in every single segment of the anthology film, in every single key department of the movie, we're gonna bring one fan in to collaborate and be a part of the experience.
0: That is really cool. Yeah. So you're helping people get into the film industry. Yeah, that's Very cool. I know you're super busy, I really thank you for taking a lot of time to talk to us. No doubt, man. Um, Tell everybody the website again. It's www.thecircuitfilm.com. Make sure you go on there and you can get credit. For being in a movie, yeah. with real movie people,
1: yeah, uh, tons of great actors in this film. If you go check it out, we've got we've got tons of just uh, you, you'll, you'll be surprised when you go check it uh, out.
0: I'm very excited, Anu. Yeah. Right. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah, no thanks doubt. for coming to Denver. Is this your first time to Denver?
1: No, I was here ten years ago at, at a, a show called Starfest. Starfest,
0: yeah, still going strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: right on. I, I hear they're like on year forty or something. Yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, it's been a, it's been ten years, so it's it's like a, it's a new city. Oh yeah, it's yeah. crazy.
0: This thing, this thing is crazy. Yeah, it's out of control. But and
1: in five years, this thing has exploded. It's oh, huge. Yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, it's not, it's not quite San Diego Comic Con yet, but it's getting there. I'm looking around. I'm like, this is huge. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. It's a pleasure meeting you. And nice remember you thecircuitfilm.com. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having thanks. me, man. Thank you so much for listening to this exclusive interview from Real Nerds Podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2016. I'd like to thank Denver Comic-Con and Pop Culture Classroom for giving us this opportunity. Thanks. Bye. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.